is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast. I am Tom Opperman, and with me is Jacob Reck. That was him you just heard right there. Week one of the NFL, almost in the books. We got one more game to get to tonight. AFC North rival Baltimore Ravens heading to Vegas to face off against the Raiders. That's a tough matchup, Jacob. Does it feel weird to you that we only get one Monday Night Football game it tonight? It does feel weird. I What's up with that? that? I loved the doubleheader I start the season. Too. It was great. A little you know, game at 7-15, then you get a little West Coast action. You know what's the biggest, the, the most bizarre thing? They did the doubleheader last year during COVID, correct? Because mm-hmm. the Steelers, the Steelers played had the, the first, first game, game, and then there was the second game in the West Coast to follow. I believe it was the Broncos. And now they don't have it in 2021. So a little weird, a little head-scratching. I feel like we're robbed, honestly, of I do some too. extra football There's tonight. only one week per year that you get two money. The doubleheader, and we're robbed of that. Instead, we'll have to settle for just Ravens and Raiders. But before we get into the action uh, from this Sunday slate... Got to update the triple play from Friday, Jacob. I'm sorry to inform you, but you went 0-3 on your triple play. Mm. If you didn't listen on our episode on Friday, we do a thing called Fireside Fridays where we take a look around the matchups in the NFL, and we end that with our triple play where we pick three games against the spread. Keep a running tally. We'll compete against each other this year. Jacob went 0-3. for He picked the Falcons minus 3.5. He picked the Vikings minus 3, and he picked the Giants plus 3. So that's a fat goose egg. I am rocking 1-1 one and one right now. I had the Titans minus three, so I got smoked in that one. I had the Browns plus five and a half. So the Brownies covering that spread, love to see that. And tonight is the deciding factor if I will go over 500 or under 500 to start the year as I have the Raiders plus four in their home barn. But that's the update on the triple play. Don't worry, Jacob. You can root, for the, Ra- you can root for the yeah. Ravens tonight, and it'll, you'll be only one game back. you got a long season to go. I don't know if I want to root for the Ravens. <laughs> Let's start in the AFC North, actually, because one Ohio team started 1-0 yesterday. It just wasn't the Ohio team that I think a lot of people expected to be 1-0. Steelers-Bengals at the top of the AFC North as it stands right now. Ravens play tonight, like we said, so we'll see where they fall. Brownies 0-1 at the bottom. Start with the Bengals, man. Kind of a surprising win. I'm a little higher on the Vikings than most people. Not so much after that game yesterday. You got to go into Cincinnati, and and I don't care if it's by a field goal. You just got to win that football game. You're underselling how high you are more than Let's normal. Let's be honest, though. You are on the Vikings. When Kirk Cousins sounded like an idiot for you know vaccine reasons, I started to cool off on them. Not because of you know oh I'm super lib whatever. Because I don't think you can be successful if your quarterback is causing that much of a distraction, especially and leaving himself vulnerable to potentially missing a game. And he's also Kirk Cousins. So he was barely standing. uh, uh, He barely had a leg to stand on to begin with. But, yeah, you got to go into Cincinnati and steal that and get that win against the Bengals. I mean, you're three-point favorites on the road. You have playoff aspirations. I mean, in that locker room, they certainly think that they can make the playoffs, being just two years removed from winning a playoff game in the Superdome, for God's sakes. And you just lay a fat goose egg out there. And... It was an overtime win for the Bengals. The Bengals were up like 21 to 7 at one point in this game. They were in control for a majority of this football game. Minnesota frantically came back as Minnesota is one to do. They seem to be a team that, you know, sleepwalks through the first three quarters and then lights it up in the fourth to try to claw their way back into some miracle cover or, or miracle tie like they did against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Bengals, though, able to kick that field goal, get that victory in the overtime. Joe Burrow looked phenomenal. 
A lot of reports out of training camp in Cincinnati that he looked terrible. Not only he, but his rookie and receiver. Jamar Chase, they both balled completely out. 100 yards receiving for Jamar Chase and a touchdown. I think at one point I looked up at the ticker during the Steelers game, and Joe Burrow was like 17 for 19 on his passes. So they both had a real nice connection going there. Really goes to show you that you can't read too, too much into training camp or preseason. Yeah, it's a good little barometer to get you a little bit of a feel. But once live bullets starts flying, it's 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 completely random, honestly. You can throw out pretty much anything that you saw in that preseason. But we said, Jacob, the Bengals would probably be a tougher team to beat this year. It's, this is a game that they probably shouldn't have won and they stole. So did you know they're going to be tough in his entire time with the Bengals? This is Zach Taylor's first September win as the head coach of the team. Well, that's only, but to be fair, it's only been two years Three. prior to this one, right? This is yeah, third this is third year, game. but still, but I mean, still, to that's, go that's two and months of zero and four football. Yeah, right to go zero and eight so. in September—that's a rough start. Yeah, it is great start for them to the season. The this other is the first time that they've won a home opener. To start the season, this is, I believe, 07. Those Ohio teams have crazy streaky records yeah. on, or negative records on week one. The Brownies moved to 121 and 1 all time since returning to the league in 1999. I mean, or since returning to the league. I mean, that's just so Cleveland Browns. I mean, they've only won one time on their, their week one game. They tied the Steelers once. We all remember that game. That and then they've game. lost 20. One straight or 21 times on those week one openers. And you just got to feel for Browns fans because this was the one, right? This was the game. They go up, seem that they, way. They score first and then they go for two. And it's like, okay, they mean business. Like you go for two against the Chiefs and you get it and you're up eight nothing. That's how you play the Chiefs, score as many points as possible. And they kept scoring. I mean, it's not like the Browns' offense ever really stalled at any point in this mm. game. They put up 29 points on the Chiefs, and they were running the ball extremely effectively against them as well. Nick Chubb had 83 yards and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt had a touchdown and contributed in the yardage game as well. And they had a lot of nice plays to Jarvis Landry on the ground too. So that offense looked really good. But, man, Browns fans, your punter just had to drop the ball, right? Just had to drop the ball on your own 30-yard line. He's with too the, concerned with his hair, that those long locks, and he is actually punting with the With the best quarterback in the world on the opposite sideline, you just had to drop that ball. I mean, even when they are looking Super Bowl good, they're still the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I want to say you got a feel for them, but considering the way last year ended – I don't have any sympathy for this team whatsoever. And here's the deal, too. Everybody and their mother were probably expecting the Browns to lose that game but play it close. But Browns fans were also thinking, you know what? The Steelers are going to lose to the Bills. So they'll be 0-1-2. The Ravens could lose to the Raiders. So they'll be 0-1-2. And, and everyone Bengals, expects and the, the Bengals, Bengals, Bengals are going to lose. lose. So the Browns fans probably going into that game thinking, at worst, we're behind the Ravens by one game if they it. beat the Raiders. Steelers steal that win in Buffalo, though, and all of a sudden it's looking like, oh, it might be the Ravens and the Steelers who have a little bit of a leg up on us. Again, like I said, Browns probably expect to lose that game against Kansas City, but once you get into it and you lose it in the fashion that they did, I mean, that's a heartbreaker. That's a game they should have actually won. And how often can you say this? The Cleveland Browns beat themselves against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I guess that's somewhat of an improvement where you can actually you say like, how often you can't say it that often, man. Like you can't a team like the Chiefs. The Browns are never in a game like that mm -hmm. where they can shoot themselves in the foot. So now they're actually okay, I get, in I get the spot saying. where they can be the ones to take it away from them. 
against the team that's a Super Bowl, a, a nailed-on Super Bowl contender. I mean, you never have that in their, their franchise's history, really, since returning to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And you get it in this game, and they end up doing the Browns thing and fumbling the punt and losing the football game. And, like and Yeah, we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about that punt, but I want to talk about really quickly the Tyreek Hill 75-yard touchdown. Just another – you can look at it from two sides. Another ex- exhibition of Patrick Mahomes rolling to his right, rolling to his left, throwing across the field, mm. which is – Rule number one in the NFL for quarterbacks, you don't do that if you're rolling to one side and you're throwing across the field. You never do that. But it's Tyree Kill. And the ball was thrown in the wrong direction that Tyree Kill was running. He had to just not just make an adjustment, but stop completely in his tracks and just turn his body to catch the ball. But what does Tyree Kill do better than anyone? He stops and adjusts to the ball better than anyone and accelerates after making that catch. And what a horrible, horrible, horrible defensive coverage job by whoever that Cleveland defender was. I think it was Denzel Ward, one of their better secondary guys on that team. And Tyreek Hill just goes. And after Cleveland had just scored their touchdown to kind of go ahead by, I think it was nine points. I think the score at that point was 29 to 20. Kansas City comes right back. One play, 75 yards, that's all it took. It was John Johnson, the safety, number 43. Kind of even worse for the Cleveland Browns because that's the guy guy you bring in and that's the guy you really expect to make an impact on your secondary. So even worse, so it's bad on whoever makes that play, but the fact that it was Johnson, the guy that they thought could make a difference for their secondary, really take it to the next level. I don't. What do you call that? Blown coverage or just see? I don't know what I call that because it really wasn't blown coverage because he was he had the coverage. Mm-hmm. He just like overran the ball. Like he, he wasn't, wasn't looking, looking for the ball. No, he wasn't. He was looking at Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill stopped on a dime to catch the ball, which, and Johnson's I, momentum kept him right. going the other way. Which, as I said, is what Tyreek Hill does better than anyone. Oh, yeah. defender or offensive receiver stops and then accelerates again. Look, and it was a great throw by Mahomes across the body on the run. He was in a ton of pressure, and he threw it a country mile down the field. But it was hanging up there, and it was a little bit underthrown. Now, Hill had to stop and catch it before I don't he think it was underthrown. I think Hill was going, but because Mahomes was throwing across his body, it's not the easiest pass to make 40 or 50 yards right. down the field, however long that ball So he had to hang for. up a little bit. It could have been picked off by John Johnson. It could have been. Had he been watching the ball, had he been watching the ball, but he wasn't. He was just watching Tyree Kill and Tyree Kill able to stop, adjust, accelerate, touchdown. Yeah, that play and the drop punt, if I'm a Browns fan. I look at both of those. I'm just like, what are we doing? And especially considering how close they were to each other at the end in the in the fourth quarter. That's just not the fourth quarter you want to have. Before we kick around for the rest of the league, how are you feeling about the Ravens tonight? You think they go into Vegas and get the win? I think Vegas is going to pull the upset off just because. If you know, anything, it's going to be similar to Cleveland's effort against Kansas City where it's a lot closer than you think, and they they can be in the position to win the game. I just don't know how good Lamar Jackson is going to be without his without running his backs. running backs. That's going to be a wild atmosphere too in Allegiant Stadium. How good can Marlon Humphrey be without his partner in crime? I think Marcus De- I was just going to say Derek Carr is going to pick on Marcus Peters' replacement all game long. I think that's fair. Darren Waller, huge mismatch huge problem game. for any team, uh, especially uh, probably the Ravens in this one. So I think Vegas is probably going to pull this one out. Like I said, Allegiant Stadium is going to be rocking that first game with fans for Vegas in their new digs. Mm. So expect a crazy atmosphere in that the new black hole, the Vegas-style black hole. And 
again, Josh Jacobs is a guy that gets overlooked too. And I know the Ravens have a really strong defense, but Josh Jacobs is another person that I think could be a big game breaker tonight. So the, the combination of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, I think that the guy, the team, I think it's very likely, I forgot they got Kenyon Drake. I think mm-hmm. it's very likely they don't need Kenyon Drake. That's why I forgot about it. the very right. likely that the teams that were supposed to be one, two in this AFC North race start own one in the season. And what a phenomenal thing for Steelers nation, especially when you get that big upset win at the Buffalo bills. So yeah, I think that the Ravens might be in some trouble tonight, but I agree with you. It's going to be close game. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe, I think it's maybe a field goal decides. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be a fun one. I, th- I still think Baltimore can pull it out, but I, I think Vegas can make it an interesting game and it wouldn't shock me if Vegas wins. Around the rest of the NFL, I mean, first of all, I'd just like to shake the hands of whoever created the schedule this year because there were some just phenomenal matchups mm-hmm. all throughout week one, littered in every single window. We talked about the Chiefs-Browns game, probably the game of the weekend, to be quite honest. The Steelers game, probably a little close to that just because of, you know, the upset that was pulled off. Not a lot of people were expecting it, but that Browns-Chiefs game was just an absolute heavyweight fight. Um, you saw some surprising results the Cardinals just mollywhopping the Titans was a big surprise to me. Obviously, I'm not surprised that the Cardinals put up 38 points, but, but I'm the more Titans surprised didn't keep up. They only put up 13. Derrick Henry, I couldn't even tell you his numbers on the day, but they obviously weren't anywhere near impressive. Nowhere near his 2,000 yardage output. 17 carries, only 56 yards, 58 yards. Yeah, so the Cardinals did a really good job defensively of stopping him, and obviously Chandler, Chandler Jones with his five sacks. I mean, just prolific. You know. He's the last Cardinal to have five sacks in a game since last year when Hassan Reddick had five sacks <laughs> in a game. So that's crazy that two years in a row a Cardinal player has had five sacks in one game. The biggest surprise, though, had to be what happened down in Jacksonville. And I ain't talking about the Jaguars game. The New Orleans Saints just boat racing the Green Bay Packers out of the building 38-3. to Jameis Winston threw for the fewest passing yards in NFL history with wow. five-plus touchdown passes had, in the game. He was 14 of 20, so that means more than a third of his passes converted for, for touchdowns. touchdowns. And they ran the ball effectively with Alvin Kamara. The offense was very creative from uh, Sean Payton, as you expect. Sean Payton is an offensive guru. Defensively, that's one of the top five units in the league, returning a lot of players. They just re-signed Marshawn Lattimore mm-hmm. to a big-time extension, too. Cam Jordan up front causes all kinds of problems. And they really got after Rodgers and the Packers made his life a living hell in that game. Aaron Rodgers only threw five interceptions last year. He threw two Two interceptions. He threw no interceptions in the red zone last year. And he threw one against the Saints in this game. He looked real bad. I didn't really get to watch much of this game. I was kind of focused on the Chiefs and Browns game. But the highlights that I saw and some of the clips I saw, I mean, especially on his second interception, he really just threw that ball up for grabs. It was almost like it was like a de facto punt. Like he was on his own 10 and just launched it down the field to like the other 40. And the Saints defender caught it like he was the wide receiver, like Willie Mays style on the run mm-hmm. over his shoulder catch. And they turned around and took it for another 10 or 15 yards into plus territory. So that is not Aaron Rodgers. And no. I think you'll see him bounce back. I don't it was think, the worst loss yeah. he's ever suffered in his career. I don't think it's a trend either. I don't think you can be like, okay. Wheels have fallen off. He's going to be bad this year. You know what happens to the Packers every year? They have a bad September loss in week one, week two, week three. They don't start off 3-0 or 4-0. They go like either 2-2 or 3-1. and 
And Rogers does the same thing every year. He says, what did he say the first time they did it? They started like one and two or something in 2014, I believe. He said, relax, just relax. We'll be just fine. This is going to happen to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They do this every year where they don't come out firing to start the season. I do think that you're right. I do think this is a fluke of a game for him. I think he'll return to form, and the Packers will be A-OK in the running for that first overall seed for the NFC by the time the season comes to an end. Exactly right. I don't read much into the Packers side of this thing. I do read a lot into the Saints side of this thing, though. Jameis mm-hmm. Winston performed real well, especially because he didn't turn the ball over. That's huge for Jameis Winston. And I was, you know, kind of on the fence with the Saints. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs in my official prediction, so I won't change that because I'm a man of integrity. I did. I love your pick now. I think they are going to sneak in as one of those wild card teams. You know, I just didn't know what we were going to see from Jameis. But if we get this conservative Jameis that still throws for five touchdown passes, good luck trying to stop that team. And, and this is without Michael Thomas on the field. I was just going to say, someone get on the phone and call Michael Thomas and say, hey, we got a damn good football well, team I here. I think he's on the pup list. Ah, get him off that damn him pup him list. Yeah. He is a little sketchy, though, correct, about coming back. There's yeah, there, 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 there is trouble in paradise. It's not kumbaya not, not between paradise, Michael right. Thomas. The, the, the relations are getting saltier. He's got to come back. I mean, that, that team is a good team. And if Jameis Winston can continue to play solid football like he did, I'm not saying he has to throw five touchdown passes every single game, but if he can protect the ball and just be a playmaker, I mean, I think they're a playoff team for sure. They're going to be the team that finishes right behind the Buccaneers in that division, and they might steal a game from the Buccaneers at New Orleans this year as they, well. Do you remember, I think, the second time they played each other? Because they played each other week one. Yes. So the second time was like week 10 or 11 or 12. The Saints mollywalked. Just destroyed them. The Buccaneers. Yeah, and then— the, It was course, a very similar score. It was like 38-3. to three. Of course, the Bucs get revenge in uh-huh. the one that counted in the playoffs. Did you see what Drew Brees said? Uh, on, on NBC? No, I did about not. About the Saints game. Uh-uh. The highlight of Jameis Winston throwing the deep ball to number 11. Was that it was a deep ball, right? He, yeah, it was a deep ball, and Drew Brees said, I guess this is what the Saints have been missing for the past <laughs> couple of years. So, I Drew, Drew Brees has like been that, good yeah. on TV. That guy yeah, looks, he's fine. He looks comfortable. And you see, his hair looks kind of weird, though. They Yeah, he got hair plugs. Yeah. But he looks comfortable, and that's the biggest thing is you got to look comfortable. And when you crack a joke at yourself like that, that, that know, shows that connects with yeah. the audience yeah. a lot more. So I think Drew Brees is going to be phenomenal. But yeah, the Saints, I think, were one of the biggest surprises of the weekend. The rookie quarterbacks did not have that great of a go of it, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Zach Wilson struggled early, threw an interception to the Panthers and got beat by the man he replaced in Sam Darnold. But he he did bounce back, to be fair, threw a touchdown pass, uh, kind of rallied the Jets in that game. They only lost by, I believe five it was points, five points. 19, yeah, 14, 19 yeah. to 14. So he rallied them back into that game. But he didn't look too, too great. But that's, that's fine. It, he didn't look absolutely disastrous. Trevor Lawrence was... I mean, night and day, 358 yards and three touchdowns, but he also had three interceptions and his team just got destroyed by what many thought were going to be the worst team in football this year in the Houston Texans. That might not be the case now, though, because Tyrod Taylor, I think we all kind of slept on him a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's not like some bum coming in to to replace Deshaun Watson. I don't think he is either. I mean, we've talked about the the Tyrod Taylor narrative for many years now, the fact that he was in Cleveland prime to get the starting job, and then they went out and drafted Baker Mayfield. He was in L.A. with the Chargers. Had the got starting a punctured job. lung. I mean, you couldn't ask for much worse luck. So for him to kind of come in and, and lead Houston to this upset win, I don't know. Would you call it an upset? Mm, I don't know. Who was favored? 
Where the Jack- I'll, I'll check while I was favored while you're talking. I don't know, but, yeah, but I, I, to be fair, to, call that an to be fair against um, yeah, Jacksonville was three point favorites on the road, which is wild. That's to me. wild. I mean, that should have been a pick. I mean, I guess it, it technically is a pick'em game with Jacksonville getting the, those three points, but I I still think that you can't really discredit uh, Trevor Lawrence so much just because I think the Jaguars defense is so bad. So bad. It's just, I guess the Texans defense did a better job of containing Trevor than the Jaguars defense did of containing Tyrod. I'll say this too. They, they got the worst head coach in football, I think. Yeah, I, I think Urban he, Meyer I really, will not last. I really think he might be the worst head coach. I, I mean, I think Zach Taylor was kind of holding that torch, but, I mean, after he beats the Vikings and he goes to 1-0 and Urban Meyer can't do anything against the, the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think Urban Meyer, his days are numbered in this league. Houston's very interesting, though, because, like, I get Tyrod Taylor played well, and now you're 1-0. You're winning your division. You're the only team that got a win this weekend in the AFC South. You have an all-world talent quarterback, not suspended. You just didn't give him a helmet based on your own Mm decision-making. I would not want to be the Texans GM, the Texans front office, the Texans head coach, because... How tempting is it going to be? I, I don't know who they play next week, but say they go out and they win next week and they get to 2-0 and with Tyrod Taylor. They play at Cleveland, so that's probably not going to happen. Cleveland's definitely going to need a bounce-back game. Yes. But say you know they're floating around 500 for a couple weeks. How hard is it not to going to be to just not hit that Deshaun Watson switch? Because I think Tyrod Taylor played really well, and you can't really criticize him, but Deshaun gives you a chance to win almost every Sunday, I would say. So, uh, personally, I think he should be suspended for the year. Right. And I don't think he should play. I agree. But the fact that he's not, you know it's in the back of the Texans coaching staff's mind. Like, I mean... It's just kind of weird Do we to pull the too, trigger on this? Could we actually win games this year? Do we pull the trigger on this guy? I saw a story yesterday uh, in the middle of the Steelers game saying that Houston is asking for at least six players, combination of six players and picks. Which is an absurd amount to absurd. ask for. Absurd. Like absurd. I don't, I don't care if you're just asking for like two first round picks and a bunch of guys. Six different people is way too much for just one person. His stock's gonna go down more if Tyrod Taylor keeps Continues winning games to play too, well. because they're just gonna any team that's gonna trade is gonna be like, well, I'm not giving you six first round picks for a quarterback that you don't even need. Like you're not even playing that guy. Why I would think, I give him picks? I think it's a different conversation if if the final score of the game is twenty one to sixteen or twenty one to if it's to real 14. close. It's not even that, but if they don't, if they only put up like 21, 24 points, they put up 37 points. I mean, that is, I think, like the third highest total. I think, uh, Detroit, or sorry, San Fran against Detroit put up 41. The Cardinals put up 38. The Saints put up 38. And then right there was the Houston Texans at 37. No one saw the Houston Texans being the fourth highest scoring team in the, in the league in week one. One thing I will say about Houston, though. Pump your brakes as far as getting excited. Here's their upcoming games. Oh, just, it can't just, be easy. Just get ready for this. It's a bear. At Cleveland, Carolina at home, at Buffalo, New England at home, at Indy, at Arizona, the L.A. Rams at home, at Miami, Titans on the road, and then they finally get the Jets at home on s- November 28th. So I, I mean, think that is like really tough opponents that's week probably- in and week out. Easily, easily lost games except for the Jets game or the maybe in the Panthers game maybe. maybe maybe I'll give them a win in the Panthers game but like that is a bear of a schedule for them to have to go through so it just mm-hmm. might not be the case I mentioned the Rams in that list 
That might be a team that wins the Super Bowl this year. Matt Stafford looked. I said. Man, did he look good in that game. He looks great in that McVay offense. Does things that Goff just couldn't even dream of doing. Did you, when you were watching the game, did you see the graphics that they were showing about his time spent in Detroit? Yeah, it was, a, it was I, awful. It's like 8 and 50 against teams over 500, over 500. which is the worst ever. But he caused, he threw for 4,000 yards in eight of his 12 seasons. I mean, the guy just performed so great on his individual effort. Yes. But the team around him was so, so, so oh, They bad. were terrible. They were a terrible team around him. So it, I love the fact that he, he's getting his chance in L.A. now to play for a real strong team and a real strong for coach. For the first time in his career, the, he has the, a legitimate team. The big team. thing, too, that's the difference with this Rams team that has been uh, year in and year out, a competitive entity in this league made the Super Bowl just three or four years back. Mm-hmm. With McVeigh, and they said this a ton on the broadcast. With Jared Goff, you know, it was a lot of last second hand signals getting into him to recognize this, or you know, when you see this kind of coverage, we have to signal to him like you got to check out of this play. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot of holding his hand. Now with Stafford, they're saying. They just roll Matt Stafford out there, and he takes care of everything. He's like McVay on the field. So. Right. A lot of what I heard yesterday, too, was McVay always wanted someone he could work with and not necessarily coach. And Jared Goff was this young kid who McVay had to adopt. Remember, it wasn't McVay wasn't on the team when, when, Jeff the, when, the, Rams, when the Rams took Jared Goff. It was Jeff Fisher who also decided to not even start the guy for portions of the season. He went with... I don't even know who the quarterback was at the time for the Rams, right. but uh, they they kept saying he wanted someone to work with, and I think McVay is only like a couple of years older than Matt, if not the same age as Matt Stafford, and that's what McVay has wanted. He wanted someone that he could go into meetings and and work with to, to figure out how great, how effectively we can run this offense, and that's something he has now in Matt Stafford, and I really couldn't be happier for Matt Stafford, because it, it's it's not like the team, the, the Rams or someone like the Cowboys, where I, I just oh, I love Matt Stafford, but I hate that he's in Dallas, a team that I just don't like. I have nothing against the Rams. The Rams, I think, were a fun team to watch a couple years ago when they when McVay was the coach of the year, and they had a, a good defense too with Aaron Donald leading the way, but now, I really think that this is Matt Stafford's Best chance to make the Super Bowl. I agree with that. On the other side of the coin, what the hell are the Bears doing, man? I mean, especially, I can't believe we all had to watch Andy Dalton play football last Especially night. when you're throwing Justin Fields out there. Just keep Just, him out there. Not only are you throwing him out there, Jacob, you threw him out there to throw a pass. Like, if you're going to use him as some special package on run plays, I get that. But you, what th- happened you on threw him out there run? to throw the ball, too. Like, what is the damn point of that? Um, one argument I heard on the broadcast last night which was better than anything I've heard for not starting him. 17-game season, rookies hit the wall. Regardless, maybe you make it a 16-game season for Justin Fields, so it's not like he's got that even extra game to have to go to. But regardless, he should have played in that game last night. Still wouldn't have won, though. The Rams are such a juggernaut. Stafford showed like he's a top-five wide receiver in this entire football league. One last point I want to make, that Eagles game. Flash in the pan, Falcons just terrible, or the Eagles maybe have something with Jalen Hurts here? I think... It's both. I think the the Falcons are just that bad. We say this every year. The Falcons just continue to disappoint. But I do think the Eagles are really that good. I like Jalen Hurts. And I like Devontae Smith, old teammates at Alabama. And he had said, I had had seen somewhere, that Devontae Smith, instead of going out and and partying in Alabama, would skip parties to go and practice more. And Jalen Hurts respected the hell out of him for that. I think this is a a good team that people are going to sleep on. It's, It's from the NFC East, so... Pump the brakes a little bit but in here's terms the of thing. expectations. 
I know we joke around. Oh, Steelers are up one zero on the Browns. You know, Browns on one in the NFC East. The Eagles up, are the only team that's huge. One and zero. Yeah, everyone else is zero and one. That getting that leg up and getting that one game lead right out of the gate—that's es- massive, especially in that division. Yeah, that nope. division is always won by an eight and eight team or a nine and seven team. That's going to be the case, I I think again this year when the Dallas Cowboys had a good comeback effort against the Buccaneers and uh, the Thursday night game. I, I had my pick to win that division with Dallas. I think you picked the Washington football I team did. to win that division. They, they lost a close one to Herbert. Well, they also lost Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. which is tough, which but is really I knew hard. that was going to happen. Anytime Fitzpatrick's the guy, it never works out. <laughs> it never works yeah. out. He has to be the backup. So Philly's got to take advantage now with that one game division or that one game lead on the division. I think, I think it's a combination of both to answer your question. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for listening. Check us out on Steelers.com. Go to the podcast page. Download and subscribe to us on Apple, on Spotify, anywhere you can download and subscribe. I want all the subscriptions possible. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Opperman. We will talk to you on our next episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for listening.